Welcome to Dramas with a Side of Kimchi, the fangirl party every drama fan wants to join. Grab your kimchi and face masks and let's chat Asian dramas. I'm CL Kita. I'm Drama Geek. And I'm Carrie the Mockney. We do please do not forget that we have a Patreon page. I hate <laughs> <laughs> It's almost as spectacular as mine. So it just says Pimp Patreon and Discord. So I I did sometimes have a hard time remembering what I was supposed to say. But you guys have heard it before. If it's your first time here, we have a lovely Patreon page. You can go look us up and find it over there. Um, We have extra bonus episodes that, you know, that you can, they're like every first episode. Tuesday of the month. That episode is for Patreon supporters only. And then we have a Discord server where we chat about dramas all the time um, or K-pop or whatever on the Discord server. So if you are interested, just head on over there. And none of us are on there every single day. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Drama I'm getting and I better. don't live on there. No. Yeah. Well, you know, our Patreons are exceptionally lovely and talented and intelligent. And it's, I like talking to them on Discord. It's great. It helps when they're watching stuff that not like if we're the only ones watching in the group and nobody else will jump on and watch with us because of whatever reason. It helps Mm -hmm. because there's usually somebody on there that is watching it as well. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. You're never alone. There is always a drama watching buddy on Discord. Yep. All right. So speaking of drama watching buddies, we've survived Doom at Your Service. <laughs> Yay. Yay. <laughs> ended. And we have a lot to say. It's possible that we have more to say about the drama than the writer actually did. And I added a side note in our outline. Yeah, I might be a little salty about this drama after searching way too hard for meaning in all of it. <laughs> I'm so frustrated. <laughs> And now we jump in with the most important question of them all. There was a lot of debate among the fangirls on this. Was the pot of dirt really sinister? (laughs) No, it was not. But what was sinister was this writer's overuse of bland metaphors. That was the most sinister part of the whole entire show. That was the real villain. Yes. What a mini. Oh, I, I, I just, all I know is the pot of dirt. I knew, I knew the end game for the pot of dirt and I was not surprised. I know that some of my fangirls thought that it was, you know, it was, it was going to have like this big meaning and it was just coming to life. <laughs> It was symbolic. It was symbolic. It was symbolic. It was symbolically trite and tropey and boring. Somebody could have plucked the flower and should have plucked the flower. (laughs) (laughs) It's a Sam Gook flower, so I'll pluck it. (laughs) Here's the thing. One, maybe the metaphors mean more in Korean. I have no idea. True. Maybe they do. Mm. And maybe we missed out. I know some people I've have watched it over and over and they, uh, got deeper meaning the more that they watched. I am not that type of viewer. Um, I tend to like all the meaning to be pretty upfront and to not cover up for lack of 
plot and definition of your magical world. I think that's my biggest thing is that other than the the plot, the pot of dirt that eventually bloomed into his flower, there wasn't a whole lot going on in the second half of the drama um, that had any more depth to the to the world that was created and that was set up in the first six to seven episodes or whatever. So yeah, I I don't think that the pot of dirt was sinister, but I do feel like the writer used that pot and and the metaphors to cover up for lack of anything else that was in the last half of the show. And I'm just disappointed because in the I remember in our first recap, I was like, ooh, maybe this is a Hades and Persephone type thing. You know, mm-hmm. God of the Underworld meets Light and Bright who brings, you know, flowers into his life. And maybe the pot has something to do with that. Yeah, no. <laughs> it it could have gone so many different ways. The oh, world building God. was atrocious. Yes, it had no foundation and nothing was clearly explained. I don't care how many metaphors you use. If you don't have a clear definition for them somehow, some way, it's all going to fall apart and you're going to lose your viewers and then people are going to be salty. I eat us. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I had to watch the whole thing because I was recapping it and I want those hours back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, we all ended up watching... The, the rest of it because of the podcast or pod the recap. So we're all a little salty. So part of the final story arc was a reset where our leads got amnesia. Thanks to Gardner, <laughs> Gardner Gauze intervention. Did this work at all for us? So for me, if you're going to do a reset with amnesia, there needs to feel like the characters lost something of like character development or in the, the their relationship where you feel like this huge hole is there and you just cannot wait for that hole to be filled again and then they can finally be like, oh yes, I was in love with this person or I had this person. Now that's what they're going for as far as like the them forgetting each other. But I didn't feel like either character um, ended up being any different. So it proved to me that neither character had grown at all. There wasn't any uh, development from the very beginning to that. I mean, yes, maybe Doom fell in love and he was a little bit less sinister, you know, less um, sinister is not the right word. Uh, Doom and gloom. Yeah, (laughs) he was less doomy. (laughs) But I mean, he didn't really change that much without her, her in his life. In my opinion, I didn't feel this huge loss. And I also didn't feel this like desperate desire for them to um, to to be back together or to remember each other. Uh, they're one of the most famous ones for me in Amnesia in a storyline is one of the worst dramas. Um, and the, the, when they used it, I was like, what, why are we doing it at this point in time in the story? But I was pretty new to amnesia in K dramas. It was boys over flowers, um, which neither of you guys have finished. So, nope. but he, <laughs> the, the heart and, and it actually proves how horrible a character he was maybe, but like the hardest part of that is he goes back to treating her the way that he did before he fell in love with her. And he's a total donkey 
to her <laughs> and you, but you feel it at least you feel that difference of like, Oh, he had grown their relationship had really changed. There's this drastic and you just cannot wait for him to remember her again because you want him to stop treating her like she's nobody to him or that she's just this lowly aunt that he needs to step on, which is kind of the way he treated her at the beginning. But it, again, in this, I did it in Doom at your service. I didn't feel any of those things. So for me, the amnesia thing, the reset did not work at all. Okay, let's talk about the big elephant in the room here. <laughs> this writer did not understand timing. Mm-hmm. So it was like the writer had a checklist. These are the elements that I need to include. So all of the elements, including amnesia are there, but they're never developed. Amnesia happens, wrong part of the story. There's no time, like like uh, Drama Geek said, we don't feel a sense of loss. Everything is resolved way too soon. Way too soon. So we don't have any investment in him, in either of them losing their memory or regaining their memory. It's it's just a sad plot device. And everything that was that was the main issue with me for so much of this story is these actors, you have these amazing actors and they're just going through the motions because somebody's checking off a list and it feels like they're just checking off a list cuz nothing gets developed, nothing gets explored. You, you know, you miss the, the whole point with the pot of dirt because they don't really <laughs> go into that. You don't, you have amnesia, but you don't, but it's, it's like, as soon as they get amnesia, they get their memories back. Mm-hmm. So we don't believable. Even, we don't even go a full episode of amnesia. And, and that was, I think one of the more frustrating things for me was that if you don't develop the conflict, then the conclusion is lacking. Yeah, it's completely unsatisfying. And that's that's the thing, too. You're right with the timing because, like, the amnesia in the first one, I think he had just gotten amnesia the first time mm-hmm. at the end of episode six. And so we discussed that because it was just like, whoa, where is this going? But like you said, it got resolved too quickly. So it just, there were a lot of key plot points that were used inappropriately. It's like they've never, the writer had never read a plotting book, which is just, it's essential. You have to get the beats right. Yeah. I can't. (laughs) I just can't. So, okay. Let's talk about another problematic (laughs) were the rules of the contract clear enough to make Dong Kyung and Doom's ending satisfactory no I felt like the contract it was suggestions I mean the contract didn't ever feel solid to me Mm -mm. and again it was one of those things that, that was kind of arbitrarily there for me they they had a contract, but it just it it just didn't work. It just didn't work, and I think it's because the problem resolution, all of the things should have caused major problems. We should have had major problems associated with the contract. We didn't. 
Well, on the terms of the contract kept changing too, changing and expanding and redefine, getting redefined. And it just like the handholding thing that was in there for what, maybe six, seven episodes. And then it got dropped. Right. Just you know? totally just poof. It was gone. Yeah. And her making the choice, like there was the tension about her making the choice, but at the same time, there wasn't tension. And we all saw from the beginning, you know, she's choosing to love Doom. And it's like, well, yeah, okay, you're going to choose that and then choose to end him rather than the world. But if you're sincere in your love, you're going to still, you're going to lose your world. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it had the potential for a deep, tragic, sad kind of love. But instead, everything was just so vague. And I think a lot of what was supposed to be mysterious just was, vagueness was substituted instead. I don't want to interpret something. And I don't want to continually have to interpret and then realize, oh, no, I was wrong. I don't want to have to have a PhD in philosophy to understand (laughs) this. Right? Uh, um, So... I don't know. So I felt like the contract terms at the beginning were pretty clear. And I do feel like that they carried out those terms in a way because like we knew like that was it did come out where it's like, yes, the person that she loved had to die. He died. But of course, they changed the what that meant. Like, oh, he just had to go stand in a field of flowers for a little while. And then he gets to come back as human. So I, I feel like. Everything came, like, they stated the contract. It did come about the way that the contract stated. But I, I agree with you guys on the, like, again, you can't sit there and say, I want to wish doom upon the world. And then him say, okay, I'm going to let you do that. And I'm going to follow through with it. And then just have absolutely nothing happen to anybody or anything or have any consequences of, like, what their contract was. And then even the contract of the person that you love dying didn't mean anything. So it was just this like device again that was put out there. We knew at the end of like, well, I think some of us thought maybe they would let him die. Um, I mean, he kind of did, but <laughs> didn't really. So I, again, I feel like the it was just the execution of it at the end just didn't, there was no gravity to it. There was nothing that made it feel like the contract really meant anything other than to Mm -hmm. get them to, that's why they love each other. Like that was the reason that they loved each other was because (laughs) of the contract or whatever. So in that case, it should have just been forced cohabitation. That would have been more fun. Yeah. Right. (laughs) The two apartments being next to each other was probably one of the best things in the drama, but yeah. Yeah, And it was so underused. (laughs) Yes. I was sad when they dropped that. That was fun. Yeah. Who's going to pay for the heating bill anyway? <laughs> so not to neglect the other part of our story, which is the secondary OTP in which our writer, the, who was Dong Kyung's best friend, had a choice between her first love and her second love, who because she was his first love or something like that. Anyway, um, the question says, the secondary OTP sucked. Where did the writer go wrong? And... I don't know. Like it was, again, just a very bland story. And I didn't understand Najina's choice, like why she chose the editor guy over the cafe owner. That wasn't totally clear to me because it was, it seemed like the cafe owner was willing to change and mature. And it almost seemed like as much as I love Isu Hyuk, it kind of felt like he was manipulating the right order. Is it too strong? 
No, it's right. Yeah, manipulating her into the relationship. And it's just, it wasn't satisfying either because nobody was really, it almost felt like no one was worth rooting for. I I didn't care. So I have to admit that I fast forwarded through quite a bit of the manipulation, I think, because I remember people talking about it or I remember reading the recap where you guys were talking about it. So I didn't see where he was manipulating, but I didn't like the cafe owner at all. I felt like his character was like, I just didn't like him, him coming back and like, but you liked me first, so you got to like me. So I never really liked his character that much. And then I... I felt like their story started out really well and then right about the same time that the other couple where it was like, huh, okay, I don't know if I'm as excited to see them together. The same thing, they just stalled and it just kind of became this like, why is she taking so long to get over her ex? Who? And that's the part that it's like they... She never said why she liked the the cafe guy more than the, like that he smelled nice. And like she couldn't come up with even a reason of why she likes him now. I felt like the editor, the guy that in the present, he supported her as a writer and I felt he provided reasons why she would like him now. Again, I fast forwarded I think through some of the parts where maybe he was being manipulative. So yeah, I did, I I didn't enjoy at first, they were uh, just as enjoyable as the the other couple, but then both of them kind of just petered out to where I was just like, meh, I don't care what happens uh, to them by the end. I was just happy to see him to not have the turtlenecks as much anymore toward the, <laughs> the last couple of episodes. <laughs> Maybe that was his character growth. <laughs> that was his character. I think that the writer's story she was writing was more interesting than the story Thanks, dogs. And the story that was written for the character. The thing is, you have the haughty cafe owner, and he is a coward. Mm-hmm. He couldn't face her. And when he couldn't face her, he wanted editor to, you know, to solve the problem for him. But the problem was that editor took one look at her and her dedication and felt like she really deserved an answer. She deserved more. So he was frustrated on her part. And that's when he started to like her because he thought she was tenacious. You know, she she felt, you know, she was wronged and she didn't just give up. And so you have that whole parallel between cafe owner who gives up easily and writer who really still needs an answer years later because she's writing a story about what happened to her. Mm -hmm. Um, So then editor comes in and he's like, you need a new hero, which I'm sorry is one of the hottest lines ever because (laughs) they didn't do anything with it. But he was right. She needed to change who her hero was in her story. He was he was manipulative because he did not want her to go back to cafe owner. So he didn't, you know, normally in a situation like that, you have one, one character that will back down and be like, you were here first and wait for the crumbs. But Lee Su Hyuk's character was like, no, not having it. I've got these turtlenecks for a reason. I'm <laughs> here to destroy you. <laughs> So I think that where the writer of the whole drama went wrong is she did not use, she wrote this and the director let them act 
like they had a cast of B-level actors and actresses. It, they never used the potential of the talent that they had at their hands. We have seen these characters, I mean, these actors and other roles where they have just emoted and swooned and smirked and flirted. She, um, writer friend, was in, what was she in? Uh, she played a secretary. Was it What's Eating Secretary Kim? Was she one of the little pool secretaries that had the crush on the, the other guy? I haven't watched enough of that to remember her. I've only watched. Okay. Like, she no. was, I, I watched her. I think it was her in another drama. I know and she said she, she's never had a romantic storyline before this one. So oh, well, I don't then know. it may not be her. But she it was, was in Hospital Playlist. I remember her in season one because she was the more bold doctor in the ER who was the first to ask Dr. On to take her to a me- to go out for a meal. Well, uh, all I know is she has she has a brashness mm-hmm. that they did not exploit. And they totally should have. And and that's my own opinion. No, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> it would be nice to see brashness or spine out of most of these characters. Yeah. There was none. They they were held up by wire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like marionettes, puppets. Did we have a, a positive experience in the last half? So I will keep this brief, but I joked a lot about during this last podcast what I would talk about. So that it wasn't so negative, and I have a, I can already say that we didn't really accomplish that because we haven't really said anything nice about the last half. <laughs> um, but my positive experience is that by episode twelve, I was just like, oh, I can't take this show anymore. I need something else, and so I went over and I binged. The smile has left your eyes with So Gook in it because I was not in the headspace to watch it when it first aired, and I also needed to know the uh, ending or the, some of the twists before I watched it. And so I waited for it to finish airing. Anyway, binge that. And I was able to see what kind of performance So Inga could have given if he had been given a much better character and any kind of plot story to begin with. So that's my positive experience with the second half. <laughs> <laughs> was watching an entirely different show. Gotcha. <laughs> I think that my positive experience was with, um, I think y'all call her the gardener God. I said the childlike God. I That character was kind of fun. She, she had, um, she had the whole growth where, where she made a choice to change her life mm-hmm. and to change how she viewed life and to be more of a participant in the life that she had to live out instead of just passively laying there waiting to die. And that was the best part of writing in the whole novel and not novel um, drama. That was my positive. My positive experience was uncle Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Uncle Kevin. That man tried so hard. He was coming into this, couldn't hardly speak Korean. But he was there to support his wife. He was there to support her adopted children. And he was just all about family. And every time he was called on to give wise words, he did the best he could in the language he spoke. And then occasionally busted out some Korean. But he was just, (laughs) he was there. And he understood being a family. And that was the best part. 
<laughs> Seriously, Uncle Kevin, he, that actor, he gave it his all. He's like, I know I'm a fish out of water, but I'm going to act. <laughs> yep. He did the best he could with what he was given, and I think he excelled with it. All right. So do we have any final thoughts? I My final thought is just there's a lot of things that I I edit books as, as uh, one of the many freelance things I do. And to me, there are a lot of hallmarks of just immature writing throughout this drama. Lack of setup and payoff, no clear foundation for us to work from, that kind of thing. And episode 15 just capped it for me because instead of watching what happened, we got it retold to us. And so there was a whole lot of conversation, but not a lot of action, not a lot of story. And so I think this writer, the next time she writes a drama, she needs to get a good content editor. I would volunteer, but I'm not fluent in Korean. (laughs) (laughs) And, And then maybe it could go somewhere. But that's that's my final thought. Like, there's the kissing is epic. The hand holding is awesome. Soundgook is pretty all the way through. So is Park Bo Young. Even in those big old sweaters and and skirts, she just she manages to look just classy. And so it's great to look at. But I just it needed a really good editor. That's my final thought. I agree. I I just the story was not fleshed out. It was such, everything was so surface. It was all surface level. And my dogs are agreeing with me. I'm sorry. (laughs) But it was all surface level. And there was not any real impact. So I hope that the next time this writer does this, that maybe they have enough experience and um, fortitude (laughs) to... (laughs) Instead of saying, we're going to hit every element on the checklist, we're going to make the most of these elements, and we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. It, they, it was just so obvious that the writer was trying so hard, and there was almost a sense of desperation to, to just get through to the end. And you could feel it, and I hate that. I hate that for the actors, and I hate that for the writer. Mm-hmm. So my final thought is if you have not watched this drama or if you're suggesting it to somebody, tell them to watch through about episode six or seven and then skip and watch like 14 and or 15 and 16, maybe or 14 through 16. I don't know. Mm. And that or maybe just 16. Yes. And that (laughs) you'll get a pretty good idea of what happens with this couple and the the plot and you'll be good and you'll get plenty of really great because they're both all of the cast was just very beautiful the 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 lighting and the the clothes and everything was just great but and some of the scenes were were memorable but i feel like most of that happened between one and seven and then like 15 and 16 so those are my final Mm -hmm. thoughts on that (laughs) (laughs) and also i want doom's house because it's pretty oh my gosh yes i love his house yes and and now that he's this convenient human who got everything handed to him he gets to keep his house so you know exactly exactly (laughs) (laughs) i think we're gonna know that we've made it to the big time (laughs) 
when we can have like a big compound where mm. like we have all these different houses that just kind of mesh together to one living room. <laughs> we could do that, couldn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Where we have our magical portals. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm down with it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. We would love to hear what you thought about this episode. And if you agree with our opinions of doom, you can reach us on Twitter, on Facebook, or through our Patreon page. The links are in our show notes. And don't forget that we do have merch. You can find us on Teespring or Redbubble. We love blogging about Asian dramas, but behind the scenes, we have so much more to say and we want to share it with you. And talking is so much faster than typing. <laughs>